Inspired by the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity, this podcast is about why I believe what I believe. Welcome to Bear Christianity. As a Christian, I want to learn to think like a Christian. I want to think biblically. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Psalm 14.1a says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. So in this series on beginnings, before I jump into Genesis 1 and start explaining why I believe what I believe there, I've got to establish some fundamentals, some, You know, my basic authority. Why do I go to God's Word? Why why is God's word my ultimate standard for absolute truth? So last week I mentioned a few big words. One is epistemology. That is the study of knowledge or the study of how we know what we know. So we can we can use logic. That's one way we can know things, our reasoning, the scientific method, what we what we feel and taste and touch, our, our experience. We can know things that way. But ultimately, my epistemology, the, the, the ultimate way I know things to be true is through the Bible. It is revelation from God. Now, don't get me wrong. I use logic and reasoning and the scientific method. I'm an eye doctor, so I've taken plenty of classes where I've had to conduct scientific experience, uh, experiments. I know how to think logically. I use logic and reason all the time when I'm trying to solve problems for my patients. And so I'm not throwing those aside, but I'm saying, that here's, here's the deep thing. The ability to do those things is from God. And so I'm not using logic or the scientific method or, or my reasoning capabilities to arrive at some sort of philosophical concept of God. I'm, it's deeper than that. I'm saying without the Christian God, the God of the Bible, I don't have the ability to use logic, reason, or the scientific method. I'm simply acknowledging the source of those things is God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So without God, mankind cannot truly know anything. And so if that sounds like a bold claim, don't worry, we'll talk about it. Now, the, the other word, I mentioned epistemology last week and also presuppositions. So presuppositions, John Frame, a Christian theologian, he defines presuppositions this way. A presupposition is a belief over which no other takes precedence, a basic commitment of the heart. All thinking, feeling, and intentions have their basis in presuppositions. There can be no neutrality, nor can there be any reasoning from brute facts. So this is where I talked about how a an atheist scientist and a Christian scientist can look at the exact same data and arrive at two totally different conclusions because of their presuppositions. Jason Lyle is a Christian scientist. He defines presuppositions this way. He says, they are our most basic beliefs about reality. They are the rules of interpretation that we assume at the outset before any evidence is investigated before any evidence is investigated. So that, that's the presupposition there. Again, the, the atheist scientist and the Christian scientist have certain things they are assuming, these presuppositions, before they even look at the evidence. And so our most fundamental presuppositions 
That's what forms our worldview. So everybody has a worldview. There's a, you know, I have a Christian worldview. There's atheist worldview, Islamic worldview, Mormon worldview. Uh, So everybody has a worldview. And today, I'm mainly going to be contrasting the Christian worldview with the atheist worldview. Next week, I'm going to be comparing the Christian worldview to many other types of worldviews and give you sort of some uh, practical application, if you will, of, of how to talk with people depending on their worldview and and you know how can we know truth let's let's evaluate worldviews and see which one is most consistent now the other thing that I mentioned last week that I'll talk a lot about today is when I say the Bible is my absolute standard it, you know you may say well why do you believe that and I'm saying well because God said so <laughs> and and so and and how do I know about God because the Bible tells me about God so you see how I'm sort of arguing in a in a circle there and you you may think well Barry you can't just use the Bible to defend the validity of the Bible. That's circular reasoning. That's a logical fallacy. Uh, The short answer to that is, yes, I can, but but don't worry. I'll, I'll explain why. All right, now you can always connect with me, bearchristianity at gmail.com. Uh, let me also mention some resources. So um, I, I've listened to a lot of lectures and read books in this area of what we're talking about today. So just see the episode notes for, for those things. But let me mention four names that are uh, the, probably the ones that I've used the most in in learning about this topic. Cornelius Van Til is like the, the father of modern apologetics, Christian apologetics, when it comes to this area. Um, it's, called, it's called the Transcendental Argument for God. And so uh, that, that's kind of a buzzword, and Cornelius Van Til. Uh, John Frame is a Christian theologian. I mentioned his definition of presuppositions earlier. Greg Bonson, and that's B-A-H-N. S-E-N, Greg Bonson, and also Jason Lyle, who I mentioned earlier too. Uh, Lyle is spelled L-I-S-L-E. So email me if you need further resources or have any questions. I'm on Instagram at the Real Bear Martin and on Twitter at Bear for the number four Christos. Bear for Christos. Now, for a bear in the woods, I had a really crazy dream the other night. Um, and so we sleep on the second floor. Our master bedroom is on the second floor, and I am right beside a window. And so I, I'm dream, you know, I'm I'm asleep, but I'm dreaming. And this in my dream, I wake up and there's a horse that is like staring at me right in the window, and it's it's storming outside. But like the horse has like this light on them, and like the horse's mane is sort of blowing in the the windy you know storm, and he's like just staring at me with these crazy eyes, this this big horse head right in my window, right beside my bed. And it was a really scary dream. Uh, turns out it was probably just a nightmare. Okay, let's talk about this circular reasoning accusation. So, uh, you know, I'm not truly saying the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true and that's it. Uh, it's deeper than that. Um, but I can understand how people listening to this may think he's just arguing in a circle. He's just he's just saying just that the Bible's true because the Bible says it's true. Um, he, here would be this would be my first line of defense. Everybody has an ultimate standard for how they know truth. Everybody, and so your your ultimate standard is the thing that you appeal to when you're trying to establish that something is true. So, uh, uh, for example. 
the Christian God of the Bible is the only true God. He is the creator of all things. This is, you know, in my opinion, uh, how do I know? Because the Bible tells me this, um, that the Bible is my ultimate standard. Now, let's say this, murder is wrong. Okay, I'm making a, a truth claim there. Murder is wrong. How do I know that? Well, I can appeal to a few different ways to to defend that truth. I can say, well, I personally believe that murder is wrong. It, it internally feels bad to me um, to, to, to think about murder. I know murder is wrong, uh, but you may say, well, that's just your opinion. I could go a step further. I could say, well, I believe murder is wrong, but also it's the law of the country I live in that you cannot murder. So the country I live in, they say it's wrong. The, you know, And so that I'm appealing to a greater standard than just my own personal opinion. The country I live in says murder is wrong. And and so someone could say, well, you know, that's just your country's opinion. That you know, that's just a, a a group of people got together and they think it's wrong. But why is murder truly wrong just on on any level for anybody, no matter what country they live in? Why is murder wrong? And so my ultimate standard is that because the Bible says so. Okay, so I'm when I say murder is wrong. My ultimate reason for saying that is because the Bible says so. It's my ultimate standard. I can't appeal to anything higher than the Bible, okay? Now, in the documentary, I've mentioned this several times on this podcast. I, this is one of my favorite documentaries. If you have not seen it yet, watch it, okay? It's it's called Collision, and it is a, it, it's a debate between Doug Wilson and and Christopher Hitchens. Doug Wilson's a, a Christian. Christopher Hitchens is an atheist. And so it, it's a debate, but it follows them around. You get to, you know, hear their conversation in the limo ride to the to the debate and in the hotel lobby. So you get to see these two interact a lot. And uh, it's just really well done. It, it's an entertaining documentary. You'll love it. Anyway, in at in the intro to that documentary, it's the the videographers are following these two gentlemen just as part of their everyday life before they really meet and interact. And Doug Wilson is teaching at a college, and he said he's you know talking to the students. He says this quote: "There's no such thing as a standardless worldview. Every worldview has standards expressed or implied, and you cannot function without appealing to those standards constantly." So then he gives this example, okay? And so he's saying, I want to base everything on the Bible, okay? So the Bible is, is his ultimate standard. And so if he's asked, well, how do you know that? Why do you think the Bible should be your ultimate standard? And he says, well, I just flip open the Bible to Romans and say, and, and so the person talking to him it may say, whoa, 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 you can't, you can't do that. You know, I asked you, I'm challenging your authority. You can't just flip open to a verse. I'm challenging the authority of the Bible. You can't use the Bible to defend the Bible. Okay. And so that's the, that's the argument there against Doug Wilson that he's sort of posing to these students. So then he gives this illustration. He says, okay, so an atheist, a non-believer says, I use reasoning and logic to determine what is true. And and as a side note, atheists always, you know, proclaim that they are, you know, they they are the most logical, the most reasonable. They're setting aside all bias and they're they're just coming at this from just the just a neutral ground. Um, and it, that's not true. They they are coming to every decision with presuppositions. But anyway, uh, so the atheist says, I use reasoning and logic to determine what is truth. Okay, and so Doug Wilson would ask them, 
why? What can you give a reason why that is true? Why why should that be the way we determine truth? Well, if the atheist defends themselves by using logic or giving you a reason, then they are arguing in a circle. See, they're saying logic is the only way to know absolute truth. Why do you believe that? Well, it's the only logical way to know truth. You see how that's circular? Because logic in this atheist mind is his ultimate standard. So once it once it gets to the ultimate standard, everybody will either argue in a circle or their their argument will be self-refuting, okay? And so a self-refuting argument is one like this. Uh, someone who's just, they, they believe all things are relative. There's, there's no absolute truth. Everybody just can kind of do what they want. They will, they will make a truth claim. They'll say, there is no absolute truth. And so to that, you would say, is that absolutely true? Do you absolutely know for sure that there is no absolute truth? You see the problem with that? It's, it's, that's called a self-refuting argument. So so everything is either going to end up being circular or self-refuting. Now, if this is making your brain hurt, just hang on. I'm going to sort of uh, come back and explain it again in a little bit different way because it did take me a while to sort of latch on to the to what's being said here by the like the the guys I mentioned earlier, Van Til and Bonson and and Jason Lyle, John Frame. And so l- let's let's walk through that again. So to clarify, For a Christian, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The Christian presupposes God, and our primary means of knowledge is revelation from God. We we, we know about God through His revelation in Scripture, the Bible, and we arrive at this conclusion because if the Christian God exists, then He has every right to say, this is my word, listen to it. So we believe it, the Bible is the, the final word, the, uh, the ultimate authority, because God says so. If the Christian God exists, then that's, that's how it would work. Hebrews 6.13 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. And so the, the atheist, when they, when they you know, evaluate God, they are coming to the, the game already assuming God does not exist. That's their presupposition. And so when you're when you're talking to an atheist as a Christian, you you got to try to say, okay, try to try to step into my shoes for a second. And and I'm going to try to step into your shoes and we'll show you how that works out for the atheist in in a in a minute. But you you got to say, okay, try to step into my shoes. Try to to take on my presuppositions. Just use your imagination, try to take on my presuppositions. If the Christian God exists, then he has the right to say what is right and what is wrong, and, and he, he has revealed Scripture to us, and so that is my ultimate standard. That's, that's what the Christian is saying about the Bible. Now, for the atheist, there's two common ways that atheists will say they can know things. The first one is rationalism. And so this uses deductive reasoning. Uh, this would be like the laws of logic. So truth can only be known through the laws of logic is, is you know, uh, what an atheist may say. Now, I've already talked about this with the Doug Wilson collision uh, example I gave you. The, you would say, why do you believe that? And they say, well, it, because that's the only logical way to know truth. That's circular. 
Now, the other way that atheists may claim to know things is empiricism. That is inductive reasoning, like like um, the senses, like the, the scientific method. You you test things, you experience things over and over again, and and then so that's that's a way that you can have knowledge. And so when when we're doing these types of experience, like the scientific method, okay. It presupposes, it, it assumes that the future will always be like the past. This is called the uniformity of nature. So they have, in order to conduct a scientific experiment, you know, you, you have to assume that if you repeat this in the future, it will come out the exact same way because of the uniformity of nature. Uh, this, is, this is called inductive reasoning. David Hume is an atheist philosopher, and he is known for what's called the problem of induction. So inductive reasoning is logically flawed. You, you can't, there's no way you can experience all things. So you can't know absolute truth because you, there's, there's no possible way to conduct a scientific experiment on everything in the universe. Um, but he so so in order to know things inductively, you have to make assumptions that the future will always be like the past. David Hume says this: If there be any suspicion that the course of nature may change, and that the past may be no rule for the future, experience becomes useless and can give rise to no inference or conclusion. He's basically saying if you can't assume that the future will always be like the past, then you have no reason to trust things like the scientific method, any, anything that, that has inductive reasoning. And so in philosophy, this is called the problem of induction, and it's a major problem for atheists because they have to assume the uniformity of nature, that the future will always be like the past. Well, what else are atheists proclaiming about the universe? That it is random. It is it is chance just and, and 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 randomness. Yet at the same time, they have to assume that it will always act the same way. That the future will always be like the past. So this is you know you can look up the problem of induction on your own. I don't have time to get into the deeper arguments of that, but it is a problem for the atheist. So the empiricist may say the only way to know truth is based on what my experience, what I see and feel and touch. You know, if I can conduct a scientific experiment on it, that's how that's the only way we can really know if something is true. Well, you can ask, can you prove that using the scientific method? You've made a truth claim that the only way to know truth is through this, you know, inductive reasoning, what you see and and feel and taste and touch. And so can you prove that using that the very same method? So in a way, this is self-refuting. They, they, there is no way they can prove that truth claim. And, and if they did try to prove it with the scientific method, again, that would be circular. Just like the, the person who says logic is the only way to know truth, they have to use logic to come to that conclusion. That's a circular argument. And so, the, so what's the difference between a Christian who says, you know, my ultimate standard is the Bible. Why do you believe that? Because the Bible says so. And and I and I believe the authority of the Bible because I believe that that God exists. The rationalist says you can only know things through using the laws of logic. How do you know that? Because it's logical. And 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 the empiricist tries to, to justify everything using the scientific method. And so they're all Christian and atheist, everybody is in a way arguing in a circle. 
Now, here's the difference, though. In the Christian worldview, I can give an account for why we have logic and why there's uniformity of nature and why there are objective moral values that like if someone murders someone, I can say that is absolutely wrong and I can hold them responsible for the the wrong that they committed. So as in the Christian worldview, I can account for the basic things in the human experience, logic, uniformity of nature, morals. I can account for all that. In the atheist worldview, that it, it, it's just matter in motion. Everything is natural. There is no supernatural. So they have no justification for some of those basic things in the human experience, like the laws of logic, the uniformity of nature, and objective moral standards. Think about the laws of logic. In an atheist worldview, where does logic come from? Remember, it's just matter in motion. It's just physics. It's just chemistry. Inter- you know, it's just molecules interacting with other molecules, which result which result in a, a another reaction. And so that's what's happening in your brain. It's just chemical reactions. You, you, it's just brain fizz, and it's coming up with you know neurons firing, and that's where your thoughts come from. There, there's nothing outside of the chemical reactions in your brain. And so some brains are just following the the laws of physics. And that it ends up, some brains end up thinking like a Christian, and some brains end up thinking like an atheist. But there's no reasoning, there's no logic that's actually happening. There's nothing outside of chemical reactions. And so there, there's no logic at all in, in the atheist worldview. It's just chemical reactions. Now, in, I've already talked about this the uniformity of nature. Why? In the atheist worldview of a random chance universe, why should we assume that the future will always be like the past? And then in the atheist worldview, why should morality even be a consideration? Again, we it's random chance. There is no difference between a human and a cockroach. Cornelius Van Til has this famous example. He says the non-believer is like a child sitting in his father's lap and slapping his father in the face. All the while, the only reason he can, he can do that is because the, the father is holding the child. That's, that's the atheist slapping the face of God while God is, is holding the, this atheist up. Uh, Greg Bonson, in a debate against Edward Tabash, Edward Tabash is a Jew whose grandfather and uncle were gassed at Auschwitz in, in, con, in the concentration camp. And so in the debate, this comes up. Ed, Edward Tabash brings this up about, you know, how could the God of the Bible let this happen and all that stuff. And, and Bonson's reply was this. Uh, first, he admits that, that the atrocities committed during the Holocaust were awful. And, and so he apologizes for what has happened to Mr. Tabash's family. So he, Bonson says, I, I want to try to be sensitive to that. But then he says, in your worldview, Tabash, in, in an atheist worldview, who cares about what happens to your family? There are no morals in an atheist worldview. We, we are just accidents, you know? And so there, there's no moral ground for being angry about anything that happens. So again, Tabash is the, the child in the father's lap slapping his father's face. Tabash is borrowing from the Christian worldview in order to have some moral standards, moral grounds, and to say this is wrong. And so he's borrowing from the Christian worldview in order to complain about the God of the Christian worldview. 
So if you like debates like I do, uh, check out that one, Greg Bonson versus Edward Tabash. And then also there's another one, Greg Bonson versus Gordon Stein. Gordon Stein's a, an atheist as well. Uh, both of those are really good debates. Uh, I will warn you ahead of time, especially the Bonson-Stein debate, there's going to be some big words being used. So you may have to listen to that one a few times. But And, and also on YouTube, there's several people who have reviewed those debates, and especially the Bonson-Stein one, you can watch some of those reviews and they kind of explain, okay, here's what Bonson is trying to do in his argumentation and that sort of thing. And that that will help you understand what's what's going on. But Greg Bonson is a <laughs> just a master at this. Uh, anyway, uh, he says in, in his debates, the proof of the Christian worldview is that without it, you couldn't prove anything. All right, let me say that again, because that's really important. The proof of the Christian worldview is that without it, you could not prove anything. See, Bonson makes the transcendent argument for God. He's saying that God is absolute. God is not bound by logic. God doesn't have to operate uh, and be and be restrained by laws of logic. Rather, God is logical. Logic flows from God. In the same way, God is not bound by some moral code that is outside of him. God is moral. God is good. And so the the moral laws that we have, the objective moral standards, they flow from God's character. Without God, there are no laws of logic. There are no there's no uniformity of nature and there's no objective moral standard. And so this is what's really important with this transcendent argument for God. I am not saying that we simply use logic and reason and morals and we we look at the evidence and we conclude that God exists because the atheist can look at the same evidence and and come up with a different conclusion like like aliens made us you know that sort of thing so they they can look at the same evidence and because of presuppositions they will arrive at a different conclusion But the transcendental argument for God is this, that the only way we even have the ability to use logic, uh, the only reason that that nature is uniform, that the future will be like the past, um, and the only way we have objective moral values is because God exists. That we are made in God's image. These things, the logic and the uniformity of nature, objective moral values, those are God-given. Okay, Acts 17.28 says... In him, we live and move and have our being. And so God transcends logic and reasoning and, and moral values. He, he is outside of that. They, they flow from him. He is not bound by them. And because of this, God is our standard for truth. And the only way we know about God is through what he has revealed about himself in Scripture and, well, and in nature. God chose to reveal himself to mankind and and so you can call it circular if you want if if you know if I say God's word is my ultimate standard you can call it circular if you want but can you give me a reason outside you know not borrowing from the Christian worldview can you give me a reason that we have the laws of logic the uniformity of nature and objective moral values can you give me a reason for that without borrowing from my worldview so next week, uh, like I said before, we're going to contrast the Christian worldview with lots of other worldviews and, and, and talk about the differences. Again, the proof of the Christian worldview is that without it, you could not prove anything.
So if you're skeptical, you may say, you know, you keep asserting that nobody could know anything without God. Well, the atheist doesn't believe in God, yet atheists are extremely smart. They are very logical. They are, you know, brilliant scientists. They're wonderful neighbors and humanitarians, and and atheists can live morally upright lives. All the while, you know, they don't believe in God. So, so uh, they, but they have all these things. So how can you say, Bear, that that you couldn't know anything without God. This is what I'm saying, that everybody is created in the image of God. So everybody knows the laws of logic and the uniform, and they have the uniformity of nature because God promised us that in the Bible, and also they have objective moral standards. See, atheists and Christians can agree on those things, that we should be logical. And you know, Christians are not saying we, we shouldn't use logic. We can agree on all of those things, but which worldview allows us to make sense of those things? That's that's the main argument. Atheists cannot account for where those things come from. Romans 1, 18 through 19, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them.